Chapter Twenty Three of the Riddle of the Frozen Flame by Mary E. Hanshu and Thomas W. Hanshu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three Prisoners. It was not until the evening was fairly far advanced that the opportunity of speaking to Dollops alone was afforded Cleek. He took it when the pig and whistle was filled to overflowing and hardly a man who worked at the factory was not inside it or standing outside near the little quay, holding the usual evening's confab on the affairs of the day. Cleek caught hold of Dollops as he was making his way into the little bar. "'Come for a turn up the road, matey,' he said loudly. "'It's a fine evening what makes your home sick for a sight of your own fireside.' Have another drink later, maybe. Come on. Dollops linked arms with him, and smoking and talking, the two men went off up the dark lane which led from the quayside, and of a night-time was as black as a pocket. Cleek's torch showed them the pathway, and as they walked they talked in rapid whispers. Now, lad, let's hear all you've got to say, he rapped out at length as the distance grew between themselves and the crowded little pub, and they were safely out of earshot. Dollops gulped with pent-up excitement. "'Law, sir, there's something wrong anyhow. I discovered that much,' he broke out enthusiastically. "'Chummed up with old black whiskers, I did, and promised him a hand to-night at twelve o'clock to do some loading onto the fishing-boats what's on their way to Belgium.' "'You're a nice-seeming sort of lad,' he told me, after we'd been chatting for ten minutes or so. "'Want to make a bit of extra money by holding of your tongue?' "'I was on it like a knife. Rather,' I says. "'All right,' says he. "'Come along to the quayside tonight at twelve o'clock. "'There's a bit of loading up to be done, "'and only a few of the men are required.' I don't choose none what I don't cotton to. You'll cotton to me all right, matey, I says, with a sort of a laugh that seemed to tickle him. I'm as close as the devil himself. Anything you doesn't want me to see, just tip me the wink. I will that, says he, and then went off. And so here I am, sir, fixed up for a busy evening along of old black whiskers. "'And if I don't learn something this night, well, my name ain't Dollops.' "'Good lad,' said Cleek, giving the boy's arm a squeeze. "'That's the way to do it. And is that all you've got to tell me? "'I've done a bit myself, and chummed up with a chap called Jenkins, "'the tall, thin man who works on the left of me, "'and he's let me into the secret of the fishing-boat business. "'But he's a close-mouthed devil.' "'Either doesn't know anything or won't tell. "'I'm not quite sure which. "'But he wasted a good deal of valuable breath endeavouring to teach me to keep my mouth shut. "'Gad, I'd give something to have a few moments alone with your friend Black Whiskers. "'There's a ripped pillowcase in my portmanteau which ought to interest him. "'And what else did you learn, Dollops?' "'Only that what they ships is electric tubings, "'to perfect flexible electric wiring's what is used for installations, sir,' "'returned Dollops, 
that's what most of the things were what I set eyes on after working hours, stacked up, all ready to be loaded onto the boats. Long, thin things they were, and ought to be easy work, judging from their contents. But why they make all this mystery about it fair beats me. Oh, and me into the bargain, Dollops, interposed Cleek with a little sigh. But there's an old saying that there's no smoke without fire, and ordinary people don't make such a devilish fuss about others knowing their business if they're on the straight. What all this has got to do with the frozen flame business, I must confess somewhat puzzles me to discover. But that it has something to do with it is proved by that fishy character Borkins and the amiable attempt of his friend to murder so humble a person as myself. Now it's up to me to find the missing link in the chain. Hello. Here's a gap in the hedge here. Looks like it had been made on purpose. Let's go and investigate. He whipped his little torch round, and the circle of light flashing over the ground revealed to their searching eyes something vastly unexpected in such a place, and yet which, after all, seemed to fit into a place where so much mystery and secretiveness was in the air. They themselves, disguised as such rough characters, fitted into the strange picture which struck Cleek, even in spite of his many peculiar cases, as very much out of the ordinary. A gap in the hedge there was right enough, and through the gap, someone must have been working here a very short time before, a square of turf, cut carefully out and laid upon one side, revealed to their astonished eyes a wooden trap-door, exactly suggestive of the pirate's den of a child's imagination, and with a huge iron ring fastened to the centre of it. Cleek whistled inaudibly, and turning round upon Dollops a happy light in his eyes, and a smile almost of amusement on his lips. Gad! he exclaimed softly. Game to try this, Dollops? I'm going to have a shot at it myself. But you ain't got no firearms on you, sir, in case of accidents, returned the literal-minded Dollops. And no man in his senses would attempt to go down that thing without em. Well, I've been called a lunatic before this, lad, and going down it I am this minute. And if you've the least qualms at following me, you can just watch up here and warn me with the old signal if you hear anyone coming. But I'm going down to find out where this thing leads to, and a dollar to a ducat it'll lead to a good deal that means the unravelling of a riddle. The fellow who tangled the threads in the first place has a head anyone might admire. But what I want to know is what he's taking all this trouble for. Coming, Dollops? Dollops sent a reproachful look into Cleek's face and sniffed audibly. Of course I'm coming, Governor, he made answer. Do you think I'd be such a dirty blighter as to let you go down there, perhaps to your very death, alone? Not me, sir. 
Dollops is a follerin' wherever you lead, and if you chooses hell itself, well, he's ready to be roasted and fried in the devil's saucepan, so long as he keeps your company. Without waiting for the end of this gallant, if rather prolonged, speech, Cleek knelt down, set his two hands upon the iron ring, and pulled for all he was worth. But the ease with which the door lifted came as something of a surprise. It came up silently, almost sending Cleek over backward, as indeed it would have done a man with less poise, but he easily recovered himself. He and Dollops cautiously approached the edge, and in the half-light which the moon shed upon it, they did not use Cleek's torch, saw that a flight of roughly made clay steps led down into darkness below. They sat back upon their heels and listened. Not a sound. Coming? whispered Cleek in a low, tense whisper. Yes, sir. Dollops was beside him in an instant. Cleek took the first step carefully and very slowly descended into the darkness with Dollops close behind him. Down and down they went, and on reaching the bottom found the place opened out into a sort of roughly made tunnel, just as high as a man's head, which ran on straight into the darkness in front of them. "'Gord gives you the fair creeps, don't it?' muttered Dollops, as they stood in the gloom and tried to take their bearings. "'What you gonna do, sir?' "'Find out where it leads to, if there's time,' whispered Cleek rapidly. "'We've got to find out what these human moles are burrowing in the earth like this for. "'I'd give a good deal to know. "'Hear anything?' "'Not a blinking sound, sir.' "'All right. We'll try the torch, and if anyone turns up, we'll have to run for it. "'Now.' He touched the electric button and a blob of light danced out upon the rough clay floor, revealing as it swung in Cleek's swift fingers the whole circumference of the place from ground to ceiling. "'Cleverly made,' muttered that gentleman in an admiring whisper. "'It reminds me of the old twisted arm days, Dollops, and the tunnels that ran to the sewers, remember?' "'I should just jolly well think I do, Governor.' Them were days, if you like it. Never knew next minute if you're going to see daylight again. And this little adventure of ours seems a fair imitation of them, returned Cleek with a noiseless laugh. Let's move a bit farther on and get our bearings. Hello, here's a little sort of cupboard without a door. And look at those sacks standing there against that other side. In that little cut-out place, Dollops. Now I wonder what the devil they contain. Talk about the catacombs. They aren't in it with this affair. Dollops crept up noiselessly and laid a hand upon one of the great sacks that stood one upon the other in three double rows and tried to feel the contents with his fingers. It gave an absolutely unyielding surface as though it might be stuffed with concrete. "'Odd as a ship's biscuit, sir,' he ejaculated. "'Now I wonder what the dickens—' 
his voice trailed off suddenly, and he stood a moment absolutely still, every nerve in his slim young body taut as wire, every muscle rigid. For along the passage, not so very far in front of them from where it seemed to terminate, came the thud of men's feet upon the soft clayey ground. The torch went out in an instant. In another, Cleek had caught Dollop's arm and drawn him into the narrow aperture, where, with faces to the wall, they stood tense and rigid, listening while the steps came nearer and nearer. They waited in the darkness, as men in the Bonnet Rouge days must have waited for the stroke of Madame Guillotine. The footsteps came forward leisurely. The intruders could hear the sound of muffled voices, one brief, concise, clipping its words short, and with a note of cool authority in the low tones. The other... Dollops huddled his shoulders closer and contrived to whisper, Black Whiskers, before the two men came abreast of them. Strange to be walking thus comfortably in the dark. Either they were sure of their way that it didn't matter about having a light, or else they were afraid to use a torch. You will see that it is done, Dobbs, and done properly tonight sounded the brisk tones of Black Whisker's companion, and then the reply, Yes, it'll be done all right. We're sending him off at one o'clock sharp, loading at twelve. No need to worry about that, sir. And these two newcomers, you can vouch for their reliability to keep their mouths shut, Dobbs. We wouldn't have chanced taking them on if we hadn't been so short-handed, but you're sure of them, eh? They could hear Dirty Jim's ugly little chuckle. It seemed laden with sinister purpose. There's sound enough, master, I promise you, he made reply. Ugliest-looking pair of cutthroats you ever laid your papers on. Seen dirtier business than this, I dare swear. And Piggott's on to the right kind, all right. Good man, Piggott. The two came opposite them, and stopped a moment, as though they might be wishing to investigate the contents of the sacks that stood nearby, hidden by the enveloping darkness. The tension under which Cleek and the youthful Dollops laboured was tremendous. Not daring to breathe, they stood there, hugging the wall, their every muscle aching with the strain. And then... The two strangers walked on again, still talking in low, casual voices, until they had reached the end of the passage, where the steps started abruptly upward. Then a patch of light showed suddenly. "'Steps here. Be careful. They're none too easy,' came the cautious voice of Black Whiskers. "'I'll go up first so as you can follow in my steps. What's this?' door being left open, eh? I'll have a few words with that Jack Jenkins afore I'm many days older. I'll larn him to disobey his orders. Anyone might come along here and drop in casual-like. The unreliable swine. 
the light grew less and less as the bearer of it climbed the rude stairs and finally vanished altogether and as it disappeared dollops clutched cleek's arm his breath coming in little gasps the door sir he gasped if they close the hat whip and even as he spoke there came a sound of sliding bolts and a thump which told the truth only too well did you hear sir he almost moaned the trap door had been closed End of chapter 23